podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello everyone and welcome back to Rival Recon here on Anfield Index Pro. I'm Harry Sethi. A week on from Chaos Agent Darwin Nunez's late brace, ensuring the 10-man Reds left St. James's Park with all three points, Klopp's side had been bolstered once again by the arrival of another young, talented number eight in Ryan Gravenbush. With the window now firmly closed, despite the best attempts of the Saudi Pro League to unsettle Mohamed Salah, our attention will now turn to the business at hand, the Premier League. And next up, a tough contest at home as Unai Emery's resurgent Aston Villa side arrive at Anfield this Sunday. And joining me on the podcast to go over the impact the Spaniard has had on the club since taking over, new signings and high expectations for the new season, I'm delighted to welcome back sports writer for The Athletic and a regular of the 1874 podcast, Greg Evans. Welcome back, Greg. Good to speak with you. Yeah, thanks for having me back on. It's been a while, hasn't it? It has been a while. Yeah, there's been some uh, some changes at Aston Villa, I think it's fair to say. Uh, <laughs> some changes at Liverpool, some changes in those, yeah, the the sport of football, I think, given obviously yeah, the way in which uh, the Saudi Pro Leagues really impose themselves on this transfer window for the first for the very first time, it feels like as well. Might come on to talk about that. But here today to talk about Villa and yeah, get your opinions on how they developed really uh, obviously last season uh, starting off with Steven Gerrard um, not doing very well Steven Gerrard uh, Unai Emery comes in I think a, a real coup to be honest in terms of the quality of the manager but still you know, somebody with a lot to prove given um, his time at Arsenal and the way in which he was sort of mocked I think uh, by, by lots of you know, folks on social media certainly um, you could tell he had a lot to prove uh, hugely successful start at the club Finishing um, last season seventh place, um, but you know, plenty of green shoots, and you could see the way in which um, you know the, the the side could progress further. Just taking you back to last season, firstly, I mean, must be must have been delighted by the impact that he had and the way in which uh, Villa ended the season. Yeah, it was great to cover Villa last season, especially towards the the set the back end of the season because they were really impressive and they were really fun and enjoyable to watch. They had a good blend of, you know, defensive um, toughness. They, not many teams were able to get past them, especially towards the back end of the season. But then they also had so many attacking qualities and were able to open up teams um, and just put them to the sword uh, in, in the end. So, yeah, really fun to watch and a bit of a relief, really, because under Steven Gerrard in, in the first half of the season, they were heading you know in the wrong direction. It was clear we could all see that anybody who watches the Premier League could see that Villa were heading um, you know, towards the relegation zone. And, and if not down, if they hadn't made a change, you know, it was that drastic. Um, but as soon as Emery came in, everything went 
in the other direction. He had a little bit of time to work with the team during the World Cup break, which helped. Um, he was able to, he almost had like a mini pre-season during that World Cup period, which is often overlooked, um, you know, the importance of that because often managers come in during a season when things are going wrong and they're expected to put a stamp on the team immediately and get results immediately. And that isn't always easy. Yeah, you, you tend to see players reacting to a new manager a little bit and and often the first couple of results are, are good. But to actually have a way, uh, to actually instill a way of working so quickly is, is difficult. But the World Cup break out, out to Emery and then, and then since from there, Villa just... Um, went in one direction really and, and and finished in seventh, which was was excellent for them. Absolutely, yeah. I think as you're saying, I think the the obvious differences between Gerard and, and Emery Emery has a boasts a lot more experience. I think he's probably a better tactician in this stage in his career. I think there's no question about that. Um and you know we've seen we've seen the impact in which he's he's had on sides uh, beforehand I and mean, especially his time at Villarreal, very successful. His his success in the Europa League um is is very well known, I think, in terms of sort of uh, how he manages to set sides up to be really, really difficult to beat in in that competition. So I was interested to sort of see how he would approach life back in the Premier League again. I think he was I think he was hurt by the way in which things ended at uh, at Arsenal and very much had a point to prove. Uh, it's always interesting when you see a side going in one direction sharply, as you mentioned, under Gerard, and you're know, going, uh, heading in the wrong direction, struggling for confidence, for form, for points, uh, the most important. Um, you, you had that nice little mini preseason that you talked about. What were the obvious uh, or the, the quick changes that he made? Because, you know, largely the same group of, group of players that he was working with. Um, how did he manage to turn things around with them? Like, what were the what were the first sort of shifts that he made? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, he <clears throat> he put a bit of confidence back into the players, which a new manager tends to do. Um, Villa, Villa were hurting at the back end of Gerard, and he wasn't a bad a bad coach or a bad manager. Clearly, he has qualities, but he just lacked that little bit of experience and. With Emery coming in, he's been he's been there and done it. He's had his education. He's had his time in the trenches. He's actually, he's, of course, he's experienced the Premier League with um, with Arsenal before, so he knows some of the ins and outs. And I think one of the another key thing that is often underestimated is the fact that he brought in Paco Ayesteran, um, you know, the former Liverpool uh, assistant, as as his number two, and he just had that little bit more experience of the Premier League than him from his time with Rafa Benitez at Liverpool. Um, so he was able to bring some of his ideas in and he just had a really solid assistant. And I thought that helped. I felt with Gerard, although he had Gary McAllister um, and and obviously Richard, um, sorry, uh, Mick Beale, who, who has gone on to manage at Rangers and, and was a very, and, and is a very well thought of coach. It just felt they lacked a little bit of experience there. Um, so what he tried to do was tighten up defensively first. Uh, and, and Villa certainly did that. He put in a couple of game plans. So Villa would, would approach each game with a very specific, um, plan. And, and if plan A didn't work, there would be plan B or plan C. So Villa, Villa players quickly learned to know how to play if they went one goal down, if they went one goal up. There were lots of minor tactical changes that made a really big difference. Often Emery, if they went one nil, one nil, uh, one goal up, would 
create almost a six-man defence where um, the full-backs dropped in to centre-backs and some of the midfielders dropped in to full-backs. And that just made Villa really, really tough to beat at that point because they almost defended with a, a block of six and then a block of three in front and, and with Watkins sort of as the, the free ranger up front who could, uh, you know, tie defences if, if needed and, and, and hold on to the ball. So... Those were the those were the early stages, um, and then slowly he started in, to introduce a pattern of uh, sorry a, a playing style. Certain patterns of play Villa were building out from the back, which didn't quite work. They didn't quite go to plan initially. Um, Emmy Martinez and Tyron Mings and Esri Konza, those were the three players that would build up the attacks with Douglas Louise and Bubakar Kamara dropping in to also collect the ball early on. Um, so they almost. They almost built up with five players from the back and then the wing backs pushed on, joined in with the midfielders and the forward players, and that's where they caused the the damage. Um and just a few sort of personnel changes. Emmy Buendia came into favour uh, ahead of Philippe Coutinho, who Gerard had uh, probably stuck by for a little bit too long because he wasn't quite doing it. Um and and then when the January transfer window came. Emery signed uh, Alex Moreno, who proved to be a big difference on the left-hand side. So, yeah, once Villa got to that stage, they were they were motoring forward. Yeah, I think often with a new manager as well, one thing you see, uh, other than the tactical changes, is that it's an opportunity to to bring players in who maybe have you know players who are particularly low on confidence who have been ostracised a little bit on the periphery of things. Were there players who really came back into the fore under Emery and have been have been mainstays uh, since who 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 weren't getting a look in under Gerard? Yeah, and I think I think the 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 best thing about Emery is that he's able to get the best out of players. We've seen that now with. Uh, the, the, the teams that he's managed previously. Okay, Sevilla spent quite a bit of money, um, and in, in the early days when they were when they were winning their first Europa uh, Europa leagues, a lot of that was to do with Monchi's recruitment. But as it went on, Emery started to get the best out of players that were that were bought for relatively low fees. We've seen you know exactly what he did at Villarreal with a bunch of players that had you know, many of whom had underperformed in the Premier League. Um, but had gone to Spain, and and they just felt like a very sort of a, mis- a mismatch of a team. Um, but he pulled them all together, won the Europa League um, in his first attempt, and then got to the Champions League semi-finals with, with Villarreal, which was you know incredible. And and then obviously Liverpool went went on and beat them in the semi-finals. But with Villa, uh, a couple of players who who weren't. Well, I mean, John McGinn's the, the John McGinn's the classic example. So. Gerard made him the captain, loved him, but he just wasn't performing very well. He was playing in a deeper lying role when that's where that's not his qualities. He prefers to be in more of a um, you know an attacking role where he can join in with attacks and, and score goals and create. That's what he does so well with Scotland. Um, he was asked to defend too much and it didn't just work. It didn't work for him. He's, he's not a deep lying midfielder. He's, he, he needs to be further up. Tyra Mings was dropped early into the season because it felt that Gerard didn't quite fancy him. Um, his performances, you know, got, got so much better under Emery because, um, and having spoken to him, you know, during the, the 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 last couple of months of the season, 
he said that Emery just made his job really, really simple. He said, look, I've I've had a look through all your clips of, of previous seasons at the club and it feels like you're just trying to do a bit too much for the team. You're moving out of positions, uh, sorry, you're moving out of your position into other players' positions and trying to cover them too much. Stick to what you need to do, be a centre-back, be my left-sided centre-back and focus on that. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask every other player in every other position to focus specifically on their roles. And and I think Ming's, what it, one of his quotes was, if everybody stuck to that plan, and it sounds really basic and, and simple, then there's no excuses for for losing games almost, because if everybody in that Villa team performed to the best of their ability in their individual positions and they were coached well enough to know exactly what they had to do, then they were good enough to go on and execute the game plan and, and win. And pretty much that was what was happening towards the back end of last season. Villa didn't lose too many games and they've continued that into this season, apart from the sort of shock opening day defeat to to Newcastle, which I think took a lot of people by surprise. But if you listen to Sir Alex Ferguson, he said that he was really impressed with Villa um, on, on that performance, even uh, sorry, on that day, despite their despite and suggesting that they were, were absolutely battered. But the recovery since has been pretty impressive. Villa has scored 14 goals in, in the last four games. So um, they're a very well oiled unit now and they know exactly what they've got to do. Yeah, and no, I think I, I think that's that's partly the thing that concerns me about the the game at the at the weekend is I think one of the, the qualms I've had with Liverpool um of late. Um it's, it's, it's definitely been, been better so far this season, but there's still some warning signs is that I, I've I've questioned that coaching, which is almost like sacrilege to question the you know, likes of um you know Klopp and and Linda's given the success they've had, but it has looked at times that as players have been getting used to what is quite a fluid system and, and, and changing between different systems in, in game, that players haven't always looked very sure on exactly what their role is or where they, or where they should be. And there's, uh, again, when you have a bunch of multifunctional players, they can do multiple different roles. So again, that uh, I suppose that blurs the lines even more. One thing, Emery, I've always thought has been very good at, as you, as you say, clear instruction, simplifying mm-hmm. the game. Uh, they've always looked so well drilled. I was thinking about back to the back end of last season and how I more or less completely predicted that Villa would be the ones to sort of ruin Liverpool's um, <laughs> uh, like late, late, too late charge um, for the Champions League players because they're just very well set up. And I thought Emery on that day, uh, a very clear example of someone who'd looked at Liverpool, seen how Liverpool were trying to set up in this new WM system and went, oh, I know exactly how to cause that loads of problems and, and did so on the day. I think it was, it, was, it was lucky that it was a draw in the end, to be honest. Um, uh, but you know, someone who clearly does a lot of homework, a lot of, a lot of research. Um, there's a clear game plan coming into contest. I think that's why I was so, so surprised by. Um, the opening day, yes, with Mings's injury, but um, it just appeared like a. It just seemed to be a very clear point in that game where you stop playing the high line because it because <laughs> yeah. it was just yeah, it's just yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll do this for the rest of the season. Fine, it's not really working today. <laughs> Should probably um, <laughs> yeah. like uh, go about it another day. But uh, yeah, no, I, I 
part of me was hoping that Villa would uh, have those issues with the high line against <laughs> against the cells, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, just one one last thing about last season before we move, we move on. Um, was there a particular game that you look at last season where you go, okay, everything's clicking. This is a great example of where Emery's taking the club. I'm seeing some of the wins here. That you know, the obviously the win over Chelsea, who were in disarray last season. Um, the the home win against Newcastle United look is is standing out to me quite strongly as well. Was there a particular game that you look at last season in the Tottenham Hotspur win that you think um, that was a great example of um, you know sort of the, the bright future under Emery? Yeah, there were there were a couple of games. Um, there, there were actually a couple of movements early on that really. Um, that, that I thought, look, I can see exactly what Villa are doing now, and they scored a couple of goals from um, direct back to the front movements. You know, starting with Emmy Martinez, um, literally nineteen seconds passages of play from from the goalkeeper to a goal. Um, there was one against Crystal Palace, uh, which, which actually was an own goal, but. Um, the, the movement was perfect. And the one previously to that was in the 4-2 defeat to Arsenal, a brilliant goal for it that, that was finished off by Coutinho um, on that day. And I could see the signs that were, were coming there and it just felt, I think that was early sort of January, February. And uh, I could feel the, the um, with a little bit more time, this team were, were on the up. But the Newcastle game, I wrote it on the Athletic at the time. It was it was the most complete Aston Villa performance I've ever seen in my life. It was, I mean, it, it really was that good. They were they were unbelievable. They they could have won sort of five or six nil, and it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been a um, you know an outlandish score. They they were that good. Um, everything everything about them that day was brilliant defensively so solid Jacob Ramsey was brilliant on the day um, attacking they they just had everything going for them and this was against a Newcastle team that had hardly been beaten you know throughout the season and were riding really high they'd come to Villa Park buoyant and, and were expecting to win um, but Villa were sensational you know un- unbelievable I just there are there no real words I can I can add to it if you if you want to get a flavour of, of how good I thought they I heard you to read the the article I wrote on the Athletic after that game because um, I, I probably got a little bit too excited because they they were that good. But sometimes you just have to appreciate um, you know greatness and 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 that just was it was one of those days where everything uh, um, went to plan for them. Yeah, no, it looked like it really does stand out when you're looking at those um those results towards the back end of last season where there was so, so many positive. Uh, positive results there. Um, then I suppose the question would be like, come the end of last season, you know, looking at the side, you know, the new, new manager set out the vision for how he wants the side to play, got positive results with the players that he, you know, he's, he's had there you know, to work with from, from, from day one. But where were the positions where you thought the side could, um, do with strengthening? And do you think with the business that's come in, and I'm looking at Musa Diaby from, Leverkusen, a big signing on as a right winger for about 55 million. Pau Torres, of course, Emery's worked with him extensively before at Villarreal um, uh, as a, as a centre back addition. Uh, Zaniolo, which is, I think, is a fascinating signing given sort of mm-hmm. how, how his career started off and the promise he'd, he'd shown on loan. Tielemans, the free transfer and plenty of experience there. Um, from his from his time at Leicester, I, when you look at those players, do you think those positions, um, those transfers, like address the the main issues the squad had? 
Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, it's, it's, it's a good window, isn't it? I think, think the key amongst Villa supporters, um, which I, and I think, to be fair, I agreed with them as, as the Villa reporter, was that um, they needed an improvement on Leon Baylor. Um, he felt like the weak link in the team last year. He felt like that position just felt like they needed to improve on it. Um, Bertrand Traore came in at times and, and didn't really do much. He scored a couple of important goals, but you know, in, in general, he, he didn't. It didn't feel like it, either of those two were going to take Villa forward. Um, so Musa Diaby coming in as the real big money signing, um, the real marquee signing, and I think he's fitted into the Premier League wonderfully straight away. You know, he looks like a he looks a real class act, and you you can see him kicking on um, and going even further in his career. Uh, hopefully with Villa, you know, we never know how 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 much you know Villa would develop as a, as a club in in the years ahead, but hopefully he can spark that. That push, you know, maybe towards the the top six places or, or even above in the future, um, and I think what he's also done, Diaby, is he started to bring the best out of Bailey because Bailey scored three or four goals, I think, already this season. You know, he's done well in the Europa Conference League qualifiers, um, already scored in the Premier League, and just starting to up his game a little bit, which perhaps was was what he needed. He didn't have as much competition last season. Um, and, you know, the talent was always there with with Bailey. It was just getting it out of him. So if Villa can have two real high-quality wingers alongside Ollie Watkins, um, then the future looks good for them. I think the one area they perhaps... Um, and look, we're, we're recording here on transfer deadline day, so something might still happen this evening. But if Villa... If, does feel like Villa are short on a on a backup striker. They signed John Duran from from um, the MLS in January, but he's only a nineteen year old striker, sort of still finding his way um, in the game and, and needs a little bit of time. Ollie Watkins isn't going to miss many games unless he's injured, of course. So he is the guy that Villa will turn to. But if it just feels like they need to take it forward, then they could have done with you know another striker to turn to. Whether Zaniolo can 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 fit in um, from from time to time if needed, we'll see. It certainly feels like he's there, the wild card, really, which which seems a bit crazy to say because of the way he started his career and and how highly rated he was and and the pedigree and potential that he had, but just dropped off a little bit and and going to Galatasaray felt like a little bit of a backwards move for him, but perhaps it was what he needed to to reinvent himself and and come into the Premier League now might um, might help kickstart his career uh, in terms of the midfield. I think Telemans was a really strong signing, somebody who had who was used to the you know the the Thursday to Sunday routine of of European football, um, been around the Premier League for five four or five seasons I think now. So uh, you know certainly knows the Premier League. The, the, he, he's just a he's a plug in and play player. You know somebody you know that can can do it straight away and doesn't need the time to to settle in. Um, but but Villa's midfield is is so so strong now with Louise um, Douglas Louise and Bubakar Kamara as the two sort of deep line midfielders. Um, if you look across the <clears throat> excuse me, if you look across the Premier League, you know there aren't too many there aren't too many um, defensive midfield partners uh, partnerships that are better than. than than Villa's two now. You know, really really impressive. And then you just go through the defence now. Paul Torres coming in always have a little bit of a, an issue with his with the physical side of him and, and and his positioning, but I think 
what he lacks perhaps in strength and physicality, he brings with, you know, incredible passing ability. And he's going to he's going to help the way Villa build up attacks. He's going to create lots of goals. Um and I think over the course of the season, Villa are going to use his passing ability more often than his defensive qualities because other than the games against the the so-called big six and, and and a few other clubs around them, I think Villa are going to enjoy themselves more often than not in against the teams that are uh, based in the lower half of the division. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I think there's um there's there's a, a huge amount of talent there, and when, when you look through the side, I'm, I really like the look of Diaby since he's come. It looks like he's got plenty of um plenty of tricks up his sleeve, and you're right, Louise and. Uh, uh, Kamara, I mean, like, that's a pretty, it's a pretty strong uh, double. I think it's, I'm not sure, you're, sure you're well aware. Plenty of Liverpool fans looking at some of the defensive midfielders that moved last summer, uh, for pittance and going, ah, oh, that, that probably was a good idea to, 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 to have done something there. Like, I think, well, yeah, even Yapalina, who's probably going to go the other way of Gravenberg this, uh, uh, the, or today anyway, um, over to, to buy Munich from Fulham. It looks like mm-hmm. it picked up for 17 million pounds. It's just, it just shows yeah. you actually that, yeah. that, 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 that the players were there. It just, I think the opportunity was missed. Um, and now, I mean, Kamara and Louise quite settled, quite settled at Villa as well. Um, so yeah, I looked at the team, plenty of, uh, quality and it's, um, yeah, it's exciting to see what Emery can, can get Villa to achieve this season, I think. And we look at the game so far uh, this season, as we talked about, the 5-1 defeat on the opening day to, to Newcastle, not what would, I think anybody was expecting. Uh, you know, Mings you know, lost early to what looked like a pretty significant um, injury. Um, actually, sorry, the actual details of that injury escaped me, actually. Was it like a knee? Yeah, sorry. So it was a serious uh, knee injury. Yeah, it was a... Um, um, he's, he's- probably going to be out for the season, season or at least yeah. the, the, the majority of it. It's why Villa need to sign another centre-back in our, and they're bringing yeah. in Clement Longley from uh, from Barcelona on loan. So ah, okay. that's uh, you know another addition to the squad and, and somebody with a lot of experience there too. Yeah, and that was an interesting game because to your, to your point, I thought there were plenty of patches where Villa played quite well, but then it just didn't seem to be able to get the high line correct on on, on that day. Uh, Newcastle just had plenty of, plenty of runners to punish to punish Villa um, on the day anyway. And since then, as you talked about, the, the rebound has been a pretty phenomenal. 4-0 against Everton, who looked absolutely dreadful. Um, a 5-0 uh, win over Hibernian. Uh, ended up a 3-1 win over Burnley. Um, and the, another three nil win over Hips as well in the, in the conference league. Uh, as you said, plenty of goals scored. Um, yeah. it's looking like a, a side full of confidence that completely shaken off that 5-1, um, defeat on the opening day. And I suppose, yeah, this game, the next game is, uh, going to be a proper test as well. Um, which I expect them to, to meet, to be honest. But, um, of the opening games of what you've seen, uh, again, have there, have there been any new tweaks, uh, any new, um, like, like shifts that you've seen from from Emery so far that sort of point towards how he's going to maybe slightly tinker with things this season. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want whenever I want and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. 
My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, I think the Ming's injury has caused a bit of an issue. Um, course, yeah. Although, although you know, since since he's been injured, Villa have only conceded one goal. So, and that is not um, <laughs> yeah, they've they've recovered very well. Um, the the move they've made now is to to have three centre backs rather than two. Um, so, Ezri Konza, Diego Carlos, and Pau Torres are the are the three centre halves now. Um, and and Emery likes to play with <clears throat> full backs who push on a little bit higher. You know, wing backs um, in in either Luca Dina. Uh, Alex Moreno, when he's fit, um, hasn't pe- hasn't featured this year, but but will do in the future. And then and then Matt Cash on the right hand side, and and it just showed that even when Emery decides to change things, he still manages to get the best out of players. So Matt Cash has always been a a right back who who predominantly under Emery has been asked to sit deep, but now he's been asked to attack um, a little bit more. And he got two goals last week against Burnley. So. He just has this knack of getting the best out of players and, and setting up a team that know exactly what they've got to do. Um, Luca Dino, another player who had been linked away, uh, linked with the move away this month, but has created, you know, four or five of, of Villa's last 14 goals. So, um, you know, lots of players contributing, lots of got sharing the goals around the team. Um, it's just a really exciting group, you know, really a really strong group, and and it'll be be interesting to see how they get on against Liverpool because they're two teams that are very different. While Villa have, um, they're, they're probably the two, sort of two of the top three or four teams in the division uh, over the past maybe four months or three or four months of football, um, dropping back to uh, you know the back back couple of months of, mm. of last season, who are in really good form. Um, you know, Liverpool went on there. What was it? Eleven game and beaten run at the back end of last season. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and Villa had a had a similar sort of run. Um, and I just look back at that game between Liverpool and, and Villa at Anfield last season, and it felt like Villa had them for 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 a long period. Um, and there were a lot of questions that that Villa asked of Liverpool that they couldn't quite answer. Um, and Jurgen Klopp spoke very positively about Villa since um, and about the, the rise and their journey and how tough they're going to be. Uh, and now we know that Villa are very, very structured. They know exactly what they want to do. And sometimes that doesn't always work because they haven't quite got the quality to, to see off better teams. Liverpool are a little bit different, aren't they? They do have the quality to see off better teams in their individual players, but they haven't quite got the 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 structure right. You know, the, the box midfield is... Yeah. Um, um, you know, it's incomplete, isn't it? Yeah, it's incomplete, and and, 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 we, and, and we don't always see the box either, as well. I think we've not yeah. like, so far this season has not always been the box. No, no, and and you know, just what on earth's going on with with Trent Alexander Arnold? It just feels like 
he he's such a fantastic player going forward and you know you need his qualities on the pitch and but there are clear issues with him defensively, as we've seen in the last two games. And, and it's just, you know, things that you wouldn't expect from, from Alexander Arnold. You know, the two goals that he's considered that he's um, uh, made mistakes for are just from basic, basic controlling of the ball. And that's something he's really good at. Uh, so it's interesting because you, you look at Liverpool and you think right back's a bit of an issue. Centre, uh, defensive midfield's a bit of an issue. Um, but they've just got so many good players that can hurt you, and and look, you know, hopefully Nunes is is finally has <laughs> finally turned the corner, <laughs> and he's ready to show what he's about in the Premier League too. Yeah, I mean, as, as we were discussing that high line um, that uh, Villa played against Newcastle, I was thinking, oh, here we go, this <laughs> is uh, sort, of, sort of stuff Nunes feeds off, really. I mean, I think we saw that against Newcastle, actually, quite funnily enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, it wasn't that high line either uh, in the in the game on the weekend. Yeah, I, I think I echo your I echo your concerns there. Um, I know you're 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 covering Liverpool a great deal more these days for the Athletic, and it's you you've, you've spotted some of the similar questions that we have again on transfer deadline day. A player uh, like Ryan Gravenberg is is due to arrive for for Liverpool soon, it seems, and uh, yet yeah, it doesn't really answer any of the questions we've just talked about necessarily. Um, Lots of talented attacking players, as you as you talk about. Lots of fluidity in the team. Plenty of multifunctional midfielders. One specialist defensive midfielder, thirty year old from the Bundesliga, who um, came with lots of glowing reviews. After I have to say, from those who watched him, but you you, know, you, you can't imagine he's going to be asked to do all the work on his own. So, yeah, quite a few questions. Um, and uh, Trent's position is. Yeah, transmissions are interesting. Seen him selected yesterday for the England team, England squad rather, as a as a midfielder, which is interesting. Um, probably the only way he was going to get into yeah. that team, considering the way in which uh, Southgate likes to his, his fullbacks to play. But yeah, you do. I mean, there's so much quality on the ball, as you say. You just think like, how can how can you remove as much risk? Uh, from his game as possible and just like get, get the most out of him from an attacking sense. So it's, it's a strange one. Um, but again, it seems like a new role, still a new role for him, still growing into it. Uh, th- that, that point actually did just bring me on to one thing. Cause you know, when the England squad was announced yesterday, there were some, there were some questions thrown up about the inclusions of certain players, the exclusions of others. Uh, you know, you think about Sterling and the way in which he started this season, not picked. You, you think about the, uh, the inclusions of Calvin Phillips, who's, who's not played, um, mm. and Harry Maguire, who has played a pittance. And when he has, it seems like he's still going through some of the worst possible time you can go through as a footballer, confidence-wise. So um, a strange yeah. selection. It's just his, it seems to be his, his mates, isn't it, um, Southgate, because of this uh, tight group he has. But two players who were also left out, and it's just puzzling to think why, as uh, Ezra Konsa and uh, and Ollie Watkins um, left out as well. I mean, I've watched them. I mean, from 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 the outside in for the past two seasons, really don't understand why they why would they be excluded at all. And then you think about the way in which they've started this season as well. Um, I mean, what did you make of those um, those admissions? Yeah, strange. Uh, I feel with with Ollie Watkins, it's I I personally don't know what more he can do now. I mean, he is now contribute since Harry Kane's left the Premier League. Um, he's now contributed to to more goals um, over the the last three seasons than any other Englishman. Um, 
in the Premier League with, with James Madison alongside him. So I think it's 55 goal involvements, 40 goals and, and 15 assists. Madison um, has a lot more assists rather than goals. But if you've got a player who's always fit, always available, has been in the England squad before. Um, Southgate's seen him, he knows what he's about. He's done what is asked what is asked of him, which is scoring goals when he's been called up to the England squad. I'm not sure what more he can do to get in. Now, if Southgate doesn't think he's as good as these other forwards, then then fair enough, you know, it's a, it's a managerial decision and you have to go with it. Personally, I think if Callum Wilson um, was able to stay as fit as Watkins uh, does, then he would be a better option. I really like Wilson. I think he's a great finisher. Um, not so sure on Nketiah. I think okay, it's maybe one that they're looking at to the future, but I, I don't and I just don't get how Nketiah gets in there ahead of Watkins. Um, and uh, you know that that just surprises me. Also a little bit shocked that Sterling didn't get back in having started the season quite well against for Chelsea, but you know, admittedly wasn't great last season and 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 if Southgate's looking at rewarding the players that were in his last squad, then fair enough. Um as for Esri Conza, it's been something that we've we've discussed for a long time. I feel like Conza's form has, has been up and down over over the years, but over the last twelve months or so, he's been exceptional and Nobody in the world can tell me that Harry Maguire deserves to be in there ahead of, of Esri Konza or um, some of the other defenders actually that didn't make it that are playing quite well. Uh, it just seems a it just seems a bizarre decision. I mean, how, how I mean, you tell, what do you think, Harry? You, it's just crazy, isn't it? To put Maguire. Oh in no, it's just it's just favoritism, isn't it? Really, it's like a, there's a just suggestions about meritocracy that doesn't really exist. There's a, I think, and I, I see it from every manager. To be honest, like everyone talks about meritocracy. Um, and like, even the people that you think are above it all, um, like they, they have their tight group of, of players and, um, that the people yeah. that they always pick no matter what. Um, and it is, yeah, it's discouraging for sure. Cause you, you'd like to think that there is that, oh, you, you work hard, you apply yourself, uh, you, you'll, you'll get in. And I don't think the contrast could be any clearer for between like the concert who's been, I actually think he's the best defender Villa have got. I, I, I often thought he's even better than, the means, to be honest, and um, uh, Maguire has just like struggled to to play um, for for United. Maybe you know, I mean the way in which England play, it's quite conservative. There's no high lines. Mm. Um, you know, you see ball, head ball. I mean, you do that, but it's you, if you want to base it on form, I don't, I don't think there's any question. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's, a, it's an odd one. Yeah, um, no, I agree. I mean, it's just. Uh... Yeah, yeah. I, I, look, I'm all for Levi Colwell being promoted. Had a great tournament um, for the under 21s. Love that. Love to see the progression of. Oh, the players doing well did, for the. Did Colwell get? <laughs> didn't see. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, but I thought, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely all for that. I think Lewis Dunk, who, who got in, you know, deserves to be in there because he, you know he's, he's oh, yeah. somebody like Conza who has has always been, um, you know, right on the edges or talked about and hasn't quite made it, and you know has been exceptional for Brighton. Fair play, I'm all for that. I just don't get the Harry Maguire thing. It's just been too long now without playing. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. I think I think I think I think when he has played, he's shown he's shown the nervousness of somebody who yeah needs, needs a fresh start. I'm, I'm very surprised actually. I mean, it, maybe it came down just the wages and money, but. Very surprised he didn't make, he didn't take the opportunity to move to to West Ham because you, you, mm. you look at the way in which they play and and the way in which Moyes wants his defenders to play and you think well, that's the perfect place to restart your career like go there 
Yeah. Um, like you can, you, you, this planar system is going to protect you and you can, you can really show what you're made of. So yeah, surprised he's not, he's not gone, but I have to admit, obviously, as a Liverpool, Liverpool listening audience, they're not going to have too much, too much sympathy. <laughs> and I hope yeah. Maguire rocks up when we, when we go to, uh, to, to Old Trafford. But, um, just to, like, I suppose, like to, to finish up here, looking at the weekend's game, you already said there, large portions of that return fixture last season. Which I thought, I thought Villa Villa had the tactical upper hand. I thought that it was pretty clear that you know, Liverpool riding high with this new system, uh, but it has very obvious holes as we've as we've discussed. And Emery was uh, you know not uh, oblivious to those those weaknesses, targeted them pretty efficiently. And I think you're right that this is going to come down to well, you, know, you can target those weaknesses, but do you have the quality to? To, to to punish Liverpool in those moments, whereas Liverpool don't necessarily need to play the perfect game and have have the quality to to hurt Villa um, in moments because of the individual talent that they they have. Um, I think there's going to be a lot more energy from Liverpool this time around than there was last season, given the, yeah. the, the the midfield rebuilds. I expect it to be very a very like competitive contest in terms of the the running that we see from from all those midfielders. But yeah, do, I do have yeah. concerns. I mean, how, yeah, what sort of game are you expecting? Uh, I am a little bit concerned for Liverpool because I think that you know, without Van Dijk and perhaps Canate, I haven't seen the injury update yet. Whether Canate, no, he's not going. He's not going to be fit. No, right, right. Okay, so if the two of those are out, you know, you're automatically weakened with with Gomez and Matip. But you know, yeah. even though the two of them have have done a job over the years at, at various points, so I think Gomez played well actually against New, against Newcastle. Yeah, and, you've and, got to and give and him credit. Speed, that, yeah. Uh, so yeah. maybe yeah. he's the best option. Yeah, indeed, and and look, you know, Kwanzaa's, Kwanzaa's there, who we've um, who, who who I did a report on, and oh, yeah. you know, very very high hopes for for him if in the future if you know he needs to be called upon. But look, if 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 there's no Van Dijk and there's no Canate, there are obvious um, there are obvious weaknesses and and things that Liverpool are going to miss there. Um, I don't believe I don't believe that they'll miss the leadership quality of Van Dijk so much because I think they've got a lot of other leaders and captains in in that squad in the team already. Um, and as you say, yeah, Gomez is quick, so hopefully should make up for some of the pace that Canate won't won't be able to give uh, Liverpool. Um, I, I just think it's going to be a tough game for them. I think Villa are going to go there all guns blazing. I think they're going to really fancy it. They'll have a decent um, set up and, and structure and they'll know how to punish Liverpool. It's just whether Liverpool's exceptional quality, which they have across the board, comes to show, I think, you know, the likes of Zabosla and McAllister. Uh, and, and if we see any of Gravenberch, you know, I presume you won't, if, if, if that get, if, unless it gets no. done quickly now. But, yeah. um, uh, and obviously the forward line, you know, with Nunes in, in great form and and um, some of the other players as well. So it'll be an interesting game, but I just, I think it's one that we're going to, you know, see that could potentially be not season defining, but 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 really show where both teams are at. I do feel that at some point Liverpool are going to get beaten by um, a, I'm not calling Villa an average team, because I think they're a little bit better than average, but I think they're going to get beaten by a sort of mid-table to low-ranking team quite convincingly because of the the gaps that they have. But until then, until they do uh, and they keep winning, I think you've just got to ride with it and, and hope that Klopp, Klopp and his team manage to sort of tighten it up a little bit or, or find or find a, a way into the to the season by just um, manoeuvring little bits. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I think I think that's the way I was. I was, I was very much hoping that they they tighten it up by just getting the personnel in, but it, it seems like they've ignored that. Um, and they're, <laughs> they're, going, they're going for multifunctional, and will uh, there might be some players learning on the job. But yeah, it could be quite exciting. Let's face it, in terms of that, the the range of attacking talent Liverpool have um, could be uh, maybe a harking back to some of the earlier days where they blast their way into uh, <laughs> contention whilst whilst being a bit leaky as well, but. I mean, if it gives, I mean, I don't necessarily want this, but if it gives Alisson the chance to have more, um, save of the decades sort of like, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> opportunities like he's doing, like, uh, we can, we can at the moment. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's certainly fun to watch in that sense. Cause, um, yeah, I think at times, as you said, with these holes, he's being called upon to do, to do quite a lot of, um, of miracle working. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him. Uh, dealing with quite a few one v ones on the weekend, um, I, think, yeah. I, think, I think there were a few last season as well that he saved, saved Liverpool with against Villa um, with 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 Watkins. So, yeah, it's going to be. I think it's going to be a competitive game. I'm not looking forward to facing Diaby. I think it's going to be like a, a pain mm-hmm. to track off the ball, and yeah, I expect it to be um, a, a real good test. Actually, I think this is. I, I think what's going to be the most interesting for me is I think. Klopp, I thought, did well against Newcastle coaching-wise in terms of the changes he made and the impacts that they had. And I think it's it's been the first time I've seen, I think, a, a genuine tactical... I mean, who am I to commentate as a podcaster? But like <laughs> a, a genuine tactical like win, I think, from him for a while. Yeah. Um, and uh, when you come up against the likes of Emery, that's that's a real contest. That's a real whose tactics are going to win here. And I think it's yeah, it's a real it's a real tough battle. So I'm looking forward to it for sure. I think it's going to be an intriguing contest. And, and thanks so much, Greg, for coming on and uh, yeah, sharing all your all your insight on where Villa are heading. Pleasure. Nice to talk. And uh, we'll do it again soon. Absolutely. And um, just before uh, before we do wrap up, for all those listening, uh, you'll notice a few transfer pods from myself coming out, um, talking about Ryan Gravenberg, trying to get the Bundesliga perspective, which is didn't see much. Uh, and maybe the Ajax perspective, which is yeah, the, the the player's golden period so far in his you know, young career, only 21. So do, do check out or do look out for those. And there'll be another uh, rivalry con, kind of a bit of a break now, obviously, with the internationals coming in uh, ahead of the game, away to Wolves on the on the 16th of September. So we'll be back again for, for that game. Uh, but between now and then, yeah, do check out all the other great content on Anfield Index Pro. And yeah, uh, up the Reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.